Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, guys, good job. And it's that right there that we're talking about today. We are on week 10 of the journey through 40 New Testament passages important for you to know. Today happens to be one of my favorite. It is a very popular one. It is one that is often misunderstood. We have just spent about six weeks going through these gospel passages talking about this thing called faith and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We are now entering into a stream of passages where Jesus is telling us, okay, so what do you do with it? All right? So, we are going to be looking at a passage called the Great Commission today. I would uh, like you to turn there in your Bibles with me. You can find it in Genesis chapter 12. Now, this is the story of what's going on. There is this man named Abram. And we don't really know anything about Abram except for, well, like a list in a genealogy somewhere. And let me tell you, that's riveting reading. All right? And out of nowhere, Yahweh comes to Abram, and he just lays on the blessing. Now, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we get what is called the Great Commission. And if you're looking at Genesis 12, 1 through 3, you're going to see that there are seven blessings or seven things that Yahweh God pours upon Abraham, apparently for no rhyme and reason. It's not like this guy is so great. It's not like this guy is paid up with God on all the right channels. You know what I mean? God just comes to him and chooses to bless him because that's the kind of God he is, right? And this is what it says. If you take these, these verses in Genesis 12, you will see seven blessings. Look at them with me. The first is this. I will make you into a great nation. And then he says, and I will bless you. And after that, he says, I will make your name great. You are going to be a great nation. I am going to bless you. I am going to make your fame renown, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And if they pull a knife, I'll pull a gun. And if they send one of yours to the hospital, I'll send one of theirs to the morgue. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, remember that Genesis is written in Hebrew. It is a Hebrew book from a Hebrew mind. And there are certain structures and poetic things that occur in the Hebrew language that sometimes bring out insights or emphases that we can often miss. Now, if you're looking for buried treasure, where do you look? Okay, third great answer. Where do you look? X marks the spot, right? Now, you can take this seven-blessing structure and what you can do is you can kind of see, if you're following that on the screen, how it kind of builds in and then builds back out. And what do we have as the central blessing? 
you will be a blessing. Because oftentimes in Hebrew, the meat is in the middle. We've seen this in Mark. He likes sandwiches, right? And we'd always see these Mark and sandwiches through his gospel. Well, Mark was a Hebrew. And in Hebrew, the meat is in the middle. And central to this idea of God choosing Abraham and pouring all this blessing out on him is what you see where X marks the spot. You will be a blessing. You ever wonder why God chose the Jews? I mean, have you ever kind of thought through this? Like, like why are they so special? And, and has it ever gotten kind of weird in your mind where it seems like they were almost like teacher's pet and everyone else was just kind of like, get away from me? That was never the intention of what God laid out in the scriptures. And from Genesis to Malachi, God is breathing out this idea that, yes, Abram and your descendants, I have chosen you. But I've chosen you not just so you can kind of like revel and bask in it. I've chosen you so that you can be a blessing. It is central to what God is about And it is central to what he calls his people to be about. Now, we come to the second great commission, and it's Matthew chapter 28. But all Jesus is doing is reiterating what you find in Genesis chapter 12. Now, you can flip there if you like, and what's going on is we have come through the crucifixion, we have come through the resurrection, And Jesus has spent about 40 days building into these people called his disciples. And they tell him, meet him in Galilee, meet him on the mountain, meet him out there, because Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, and he's got some final words to say. I'm curious, what would be the final words out of your mouth to your closest friends and family? What is it that you would have to say? Don't answer that. All right. (laughs) They gather on the mountain. And it says that they come, and Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We see them there. They're amazed, some filled with doubt, yet worshiping despite it. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you until the end of the age. What I'd like to submit to you this morning is that when Jesus says, go and make disciples, what he is saying is the exact same thing in Genesis chapter 12. Be a blessing. Now, let's think about it. You could probably repeat it after me. You probably even know this by heart. Or if you don't yet, probably hearing it a couple of times, it sinks it in. When you think of how Jesus' command begins at Matthew 28, say it to me, okay? Just say it to me. Don't look at your Bible. Say it to me. All right, let me get you started. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Guys, brush that out, man. That was terrible. My gosh. All right. Now, go and make disciples. Let's look at it in the NIV, and I want to ask you the question. What is the actual command? Okay? So, 
go and make, is I think what I've kind of heard echoing out, right? What is, what is Jesus commanding us to do? Well, it seems that what he's commanding us to do is to go and to make. Now, I want to introduce you to a word today. It comes from the Greek language in which Matthew 28 here was written, and it's pronounced paruomai, okay? Can you give me that? Okay, paruomai is what stands behind the word that you see, go. Now, for just a little bit of like language geek corner here for a moment, all right? If you were looking in a Greek New Testament, you would see that this word paruomai would be in a participle, that happened to be a predicate participle in the aorist tense. Wow, isn't that life-changing right there? But it actually is. Because do you know what an imperative is? Do you know what an imperative is? It's like, I know, this is like hives from fifth grade and you remember your language arts tests. An imperative is a command. So like an indicative statement would be, I go to the store, right? I'm stating and indicating something I do. But an imperative is commanding and someone's like, go to the store, right? You know, right? It's one of those. All right. If you look at this phrase, the command or the imperative is not go. It is make. It might actually be better translated like this that I found in the GLT. While you are going, while you're going about your life, while you're journeying, while you're conducting your life, there's some elasticity there. While you are going about your life, Make disciples of the nations. Now, can I ask you, and don't jump off this too quickly, what is the nuance or what is the difference between NIV and option two? Are you catching this? Option one or NIV seems to give you the sense like, I'm supposed to go, and I don't like know where I'm supposed to go, but I'm supposed to go somewhere. Maybe that means I'm supposed to go to Africa. Maybe that means I'm supposed to go to Indonesia. Maybe that means I'm supposed to go plant a church. Maybe that means I'm supposed to go door to door. I don't know, but I'm supposed to go because Jesus told me to go, right? But option two doesn't quite read that way, does it? Option two gives it a different sense. It seems to be something different. It's more, you know, you're going to find yourself in this world. And as you're going about it, doing your things, living your life, and living out the call that God gave you, wherever you are, make disciples. Can I ask you, which of the two do you like better? Some like one, some like two. None of this, by any means, is to underestimate or underprioritize the need of going. Jesus went all over the place, and Jesus sent his disciples all over the place, and you know what? He sends me and you too. But life, when it's lived, isn't just about going from place to place. There's the regularity of it, isn't there? And the mundanity, isn't there? And, and the responsibilities that we have and, and, and the things that we do to support our families and keep our job going and, 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 and things in the community. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, wherever you are, great commission it. Genesis 12, be a blessing. And be a blessing by making disciples. And he goes on to describe a little of what that looks like, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, we've been doing a memory challenge here at FOF 
Um, we've been trying to memorize the entire Sermon on the Mount this entire fall. And some of you I know are fighting tooth and nail and it's going great. And some of you have like fled for the hills at like week two. But regardless, at Matthew 5.13, you might remember that Jesus says something and it's kind of interesting. He says, you are the salt of the earth, right? If you know it, you can say it with me. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Then he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, what do they do? They put it on its stand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see what? Your good deeds, the blessings, and praise your Father who is in heaven. I think we sometimes get this salt and light thing a little bit messed up. You guys ever have one of those, like, neon blue mosquito lights? You know what I'm talking about, those things? Now, I want to encourage you to think about salt and light in a different way this morning. If you had one of those, or if you ever purchased one of those, okay, is, is this what you would do? Do you take the mosquito light, you get, like, 400 feet of extension cord on the sucker, and, like, run around your yard chasing the bugs? Anyone do that? Because, man, invite me over. I'd like to see that, Okay. No, you don't do that, right? What you do is you plug it in, and for some mystical reason, the bugs are attracted to the light. No, upon doing so, they're horribly killed. But let's kind of leave that part of the analogy out for a moment, all right? What if when Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, we have gone about thinking about it in the wrong way? What if going about your life and making disciples is not about how many people you can share the gospel message with, how many doors you can knock on, how many countries you could put a notch on your belt that you've gone on a mission trip, but living your life and doing everything in your power to be that light of Christ, to be a blessing. Not some weird, oh, look at me, I'm so awesome, but to shine light and be a blessing. Because I tell you, we talk about this thing called the Great Commission, but for, from my experience, most people in deep places of their heart really think about it as like the, the anxiety commission, the fear commission, the guilt-laden commission. Because don't we make it so weird? I want to show you a picture. It's kind of cruddy, but it's like the best I could really come up with. All right, can you figure out what this is? Halloween is coming up, and it's a Halloween costume, and it's a guy who chose to dress up like a bug light. All right? So he dressed up like a bug light. You could see, like, some, like, splattered bugs on the yellow of his costume, and he just kind of, like, I guess, walked around at trick-or-treating time, and people gave him candy. You can't really see it in this picture, but I think the dude is like 40 years old or something like that, which just kind of adds to the creepiness factor, doesn't it? And you see something like that, and you'd see a costume like that, and at Halloween time, you'd probably be like, man, that's awesome, you know, and it would be a spectacle, wouldn't it? Uh, Except when the guy is out alone at night, and your kids are still trick-or-treating, and then you just kind of get them behind closed doors quickly, right? Right? 
And honestly, I think that's how most people view Christians today. Some weirdo walking around in some like homemade bug costume, going around chasing the flies. And on one hand, it could be a comical spectacle to behold. On the other hand, it might just be a little scary and creepy. And it's the farthest thing that Christ ever had intended. Because for him, well, to NIV it, go and make disciples, was never about running around, seeing how many times you can share the gospel as though you were being paid commission by volume. It was always about Genesis 12, being a blessing. And it doesn't help then that the way it says to be a blessing is to baptize and to teach. And not just to teach, but to teach them everything. And not just to teach them everything, but to teach them everything I have commanded you. Well, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? You hear baptize, you hear teach, and you talk about obeying God's laws. I mean, let's face it, is that what you're putting on your party invitations? And it suddenly starts to get this very austere, very harsh, very joyless feeling, doesn't it? But see, that's not what it's about. Because Jesus was a Jew. He thought like a Jew and he taught like a Jew. And when we read his words and we read his teaching, it comes out of Milu or a context of ways that the people who have gone before him thought. And we think, don't we, about like obedience is like, like almost like God is this judge. And here is right and here is wrong. And if we do right, we get his blessing or favor. And if we do wrong, we get his punishment or his stern look. And we, we set God up like this, don't we? This word, when he says, obey everything I have commanded you, it comes from a Hebrew word. It's pronounced mitzvah, okay? Can you say that? Mitzvah. All right, mitzvah often gets translated in your Bible, the Old Testament, as commandment. But a better word might actually be connection. Mitzvah derives from another Hebrew word, just tzavah. You hear it in there? And tzavah, mitzvah, tzavah, you hear it in there? Yeah, okay, there we go. Um, tzavah means unity, connection. In modern Hebrew, it's actually the word used for teamwork. Interesting. And maybe when we think about command, we should be thinking about connection instead. Because just like that bug light, it doesn't work without a power source, does it? Instead of thinking about a judge God who, who, who meets out blessings and, and delivers out curses, what if we were to think about him as this amazingly potent power source? You got an outlet in your room? Anyone Amish here? All right, so you do. Great. Now, two quite amazing and yet polar opposite things you can do with that outlet. The first is to take a screwdriver or maybe a paperclip or maybe just your tongue and to shove it in there as deep as you can. All right? Okay, just stupid disclaimer time. Don't do that, okay? Okay, because I'm going home. Oh, man, you told me. I no, don't do that, all right? But what happens if you do? Bites you. It zaps you. It shots you. 
It gets you the wrong way. And yet, you can take something like your radio. You can take something like your laptop, your TV, or a bug light, and plug it in, and it brings it to life, doesn't it? God's commands are that way. God's commands are not some arbitrary list of rules, some arbitrary list of just things that ticks him off and stuff that he likes, and it's just based on his personality, so he's just going to bless you or curse you because he likes it or doesn't. God's commands are about the secrets of the universe. It's about how this, this universe that we see, how this, our very being, it's about how it functions. And it could be in harmony with the way of the universe, or it can be against the way that God has built the fiber of things. And the commands are nothing more than just saying, how do you plug into it? Because there's a way that you can do it wrong, and it's going to end in a lot of pain. But there's a way that you can do it in harmony with what God commanded. And suddenly it starts bringing things to life. And Jesus says, let your light so shine that they may see your what? Your good deeds, your mitzvah. That they may glorify your God who is in heaven. You see, for Jesus, this idea of sharing with others how life works. This idea of sharing with others how God has orchestrated the universe and this idea of Jesus, of being a blessing, was incredibly good news. That's why they called it good news. It was never this this odd, awkward, fear-laden, anxiety-ridden thing that I think we in 21st century Christianity have, have made it today. It was simply this, be a blessing. Be a blessing because you know what, what God has called us to. Be a blessing because he's revealed how, how his world works and baptize people into it. Not just pour some water over the head, immerse them into it in the full sense of what the word baptize means. Bring the blessing to people and douse them in blessing. Because I tell you, that has so much more potency and so much more good for the work of God in this world than seeing how many times you can ask someone that if they were to die tonight, would they go to heaven or hell? Are you following me? Do you know what I mean? Are you starting to understand what Jesus is getting at? And here's the thing, guys. He authorizes you to do it. This is the one who says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? Now, maybe you're a kid, maybe you live at home, and you have your dad, and maybe he's like the authority in your home, right? Probably not. It's probably mom, but go with it. And he tells you, yeah, you know what? It's okay if you do that. It's okay if you do that. You ever have that thing you thought you weren't supposed to do, and then dad says, go ahead, it's okay. Go do it. And suddenly it's like, yeah! You know what I mean? 
Or what about at work? What about at work and you have your boss and it's like you've really been wanting to go down to two days a week and suddenly the one with authority authorizes you to do it. We're still going to pay you for 40, but yeah, you can work two days a week. How does that respond? Yeah! Right? Because when the one with authority authorizes you to do it, there's power there. And we can keep going up the food chain. What about a police officer? A governor? A president? And think of how exponentially more the yeah starts to become. How much more then when the Lord High God, King of the universe who beat death itself and says all authority has been given to me turns around and authorizes you to be a blessing. You know what God said once? Yeah! Because if it does not end in yeah, then it's probably not a blessing that you're bringing. God chose Abram. I'm going to bless you, and God's going to bless you too. I'm going to make a nation and God's going to make a church a people of God, too. He's going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. But never lose the heartbeat of what it means to be a follower of him. You will be a blessing. And all people may be blessed through you. You know what that calls for? Yeah. May that be your amen when you hear this great commission, when you hear this command, or better put, connection, through which Jesus is looking to bring light to this world.